Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. You can stick it to the man and big tech. Join our FTL social mastodon at social.freetalklive.com. Turn with Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Gardner Goldsmith. Find Liberty Conspiracy every Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern Time Live on Rockton, Rumble, and my Twitter slash X, which is at Gard, G A R D Goldsmith. It's time for us, one and all, to talk about their lies, to talk about the lies of the warmongers, the terms that they use, going from the jabs to Ukraine to violence in London, how they lie, lie, lie. Yes, I could use the Thompson twins' lie, 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 lies, but instead, I'm going with John Lydon. And you'll be able to hear this one, my friends. It's time to see them playing in front of regular people in England. This is Liar. Yes, yes, I love it. And I love it the fact that got these guys doing the chorus, these giant towns. I love it. It's like a bunch of guys walked out of the pub and just started singing. You're in suspicion. You're a liar. So who's going to be first for our lying brigade? What's on tap, my friends? Well, let's take a look at... um, Let's take a look at the videos that I put together for you of some of the liars. Some of the liars. Okay, now, just a quick review. Uh, we showed you some of the shots of this before. We showed you some, some of the videos uh, previously, days before this. Congress declares February to be National Orwell Month. As I mentioned before, actually every month is National Orwell Month in the political world. And so we come to Nancy Pelosi. Don't forget, don't forget that calling for any sort of ceasefire anywhere is, of course, due to your influence via Russian propaganda. What does he have on Donald Trump? What does Putin have on Donald Trump that Donald Trump should actually want to say, oh, I don't know, end the war in Ukraine? Constantly be catering to Putin. Okay. There, here we go. There's more, yeah. Go into these countries 
NATO countries. So she, of course, is claiming that Donald Trump said go into these NATO countries. Donald Trump was being facetious and just said, do whatever you want, Russia. It's your country. You're going to do what you want. He didn't say go into these NATO countries. But, of course, they have to play that up. And I'm not backing Donald Trump in any way. But this woman's unbelievable. And, of course, the great Jen Psaki reporterette right there says nothing. Oh, and by the way, she's going to be uh, speaking at the White House Correspondents' Dinner because she's so awesome. You know, she's such a, a great journalist. Telling Putin, go into these countries, NATO countries. NATO was there to stop Russia, to keep Russia out. As we mentioned, uh, it just so happens that she is actually telling us and showing us what NATO not only didn't do, that wasn't its intent. It wasn't there to stop Russia. We now know that. It was there to threaten Russia and continue expanding. If you look at the history of it, maybe that's changed over the years, Nancy. I don't know. But right now, we certainly know that NATO was the aggressive party and expanded. And, of course, the Russians responded after the Maidan coup in late 2013. And the new government was put in in Ukraine. And after, of course, the United States tried to overthrow Syria to further isolate Russian energy exports and the United States overthrew Libya. Maybe there was something about NATO and U.S. expansionism and imperialism that worried Vladimir Putin. And, of course, maybe there was something about the fact that the government that the United States put in there and connected to Nazis in Ukraine ended up killing thousands of ethnically Russian people and threatening the Russian arrangement for energy exports from Crimea. Maybe those were all factors that you're not discussing, Ms. Person talking about truth, you liar. But there's more. There's much, much more. Yes, indeed. Let's go with, um, hmm. oh, yes, oh, yes. We cannot forget this wonderful lady, Hillary Clinton, who, as she told us, is now a professor, an esteemed colleague at Columbia University, which, of course, often houses people like the uh, Kennedy School of Government people tied to the deep state that they want to sort of regurgitate later on like a Pez dispenser. Uh, So she is there and she's talking about how they had those meetings. And remember the meeting where a guy said, cease fire, stop funding the war, stop funding genocide, all of which is factually correct. Well, no, no, no. You see, that was anti-Semitic. And of course, she is lying because the Palestinians are Semitic people as well. And the Ashkenazi Jews are not Semitic. But we'll continue if you want to focus just on that. Let's just see how truthful she was and how her memory seems very selective when it comes to, oh, things like the canard of all the rapes that they say happened. Again, like I said, doesn't that sort of do a disservice to people who actually have been raped and harmed in those ways? It's bad enough what happened on October 7th, what the Hamas team did as they went over the wall. It's also pretty bad that the Israeli so-called defense forces killed a lot of innocent people and that the Israeli government expanded decade after decade and held hundreds per year of innocent people hostage, essentially, without trial that they captured in Gaza. It's kind of a problem that, oh, you know, they have ruled over Gaza, made it very short on water, controlled their electricity, made it an open-air prison, all those things. But Hillary Clinton, she's going to focus on the false stories, though she doesn't say they're false, of atrocities like, you know, gang rapes and things like that. And claim, adding the sentiment of it's about women's rights, that that is now a tactic in war to scare women. 
Okay. Don't think about her husband. Don't think about her warmongering. Don't think about the thousands of kids that who are displaced due to war start to engage in things to survive like prostitution. Here we go. Use of sexual violence in conflict uh, was especially uh, horrendous. Uh, I teach now at Columbia at the School of International and Public Affairs, and uh, we had an event. We had two events last week. We had three panels about Ukraine, and they were superb. They went off without a hitch. We learned a lot and were challenged. Two days later, we had panels on uh, conflict-related sexual violence. It included Ukraine, Sudan, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Israel. And it was protested. You just have to ask yourself how you could have an event focused on using rape as a tactic of war against women and girls, which is in conflict across the world, and you include the most recent horrendous example out of Israel, and that brings out the protesters. So there is a, an invidious strain of anti-Semitism that has never gone away, but we had hopes it had been uh, certainly submerged that has been uh, poking its head up uh, for quite some time now. Okay. Okay. Invidious. Yeah, she used the word invidious. Boy, she is really very sophisticated. She's quite something, isn't she? Now, I'm going to make this one a little bit smaller so that you can fit this in uh, easily. Um, This is the continuation of the lies. Now we're going to see Justin Trudeau. This is a recent one as well, talking about how important it is to continue battling for Ukrainian, you know what, freedom. There you go. All right. Check it out. European dynamics, but I will say that in all of our democracies, in every democracy around the world, we are seeing uh, a rising uh, movements of uh, either uh, authoritarian populism uh, or... As I mentioned there, authoritarian populism. You'll see this a little bigger. Authoritarian populism. Yes, this coming from the guy who shut down an entire nation, mandated experimental gene vector jabs, closed bank accounts, attacked journalists, sent police on horses to trample peaceful protesters, arrested pastors, and welcomed a member of the SS to Parliament, among other wonders. Yes, that man. Let's continue with him. Uh, skepticism about democracy itself. Ah, yes, that old saw democracy. That's the fourth time he's mentioned the word democracy in 45 seconds. I counted. Let's continue. Oh, look, let's go back. What's this? It is Hans Hermann Hoppe. Let me enlarge this and move it around a little bit for you if it gets too, too big. Democracy has nothing to do with freedom. Democracy is a soft variant of communism. 
and rarely in the history of ideas has it been taken for anything else. Hans Hermann Hoppe, author of many books, including one of the best, Democracy, the God That Failed. Hans Hermann Hoppe, read this again. Democracy has nothing to do with freedom. Democracy is a soft variant of communism, and rarely in the history of ideas has it been taken for anything else. That a meme created by the Mises Institute, and good on them. Good job, Mises Institute. Thank you so much. Let's continue with this fatuous blunderer. I tell you, it's 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 truly remarkable. These gangland gormans of our money. Here's some more. Uh, and we all need to recommit ourselves to standing up, not just for Ukraine, but through standing up for Ukraine, to the very principles that make our countries strong and free. Ah, yes. As I wrote, he actually said free. This would be Ukraine, which canceled its elections again, if you want to call elections in any way connected to freedom, which I don't. I think that's a fraud. Uh, but on his basis, it's supposed to be, right? Then you've got Ukraine, of course, which is closing down people's bank accounts, has imposed a draft, is also drafting women, and engaged in slaughter of innocent people without trial for years prior to Vladimir Putin finally deciding to go into the Crimean region. And, well, actually, yeah, go into Crimea first and then invade the entire country. So he says it's about freedom. Okay. Well, if it's truly about freedom there, Mr. Prime Minister, Mr. I had a court decision against me a few weeks ago that said that I engaged in the so-called Emergencies Act, contrary to the uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms in Canada. Mr. Freedom Backer, you know, I won't mention the rumors about who is your father or anything like that. Your actions, sir, your actions. Let me just ask you, if you're so much in favor of being free, does this concept of freedom actually mean real freedom? Or is it some proxy of freedom? Some your defining of freedom will be applied to everybody else definition of freedom. So, for example, if, say, somebody disagreed with you about your position on Ukraine and how wonderful and rainbow-colored and free it is over there, and they said, you know what, could you just leave me out of it? I'd rather not pay. What will you do as you promote freedom? Will they be free to not pay, sir? Will they be free to be left alone, eh? No, they won't. So all of your bluster, all of your ridiculous balloon hot air is absolutely useless. And it is filled with lies, utter lies. But there's one little bit more. Here we go. It is a time where citizens cannot take their democracies for granted. Oh, you can't take their democracies for granted, everybody. You remember that now. Or you might want to keep Hans Hermann Hoppe's point. Oh, there's one more. That's right. I forgot. Check out his lingo. He's using five-year-old lingo. Lean in. Here we go. You need to continue to be there, uh, to lean in, not just on being worried about uh, their daily challenges, which are significant everywhere around the world right now, but making 
making sure we are building peace, stability, and prosperity for future generations as well. And that means standing up unequivocally for the international rules-based order. <laughs> Can you believe it? His own national rules, he has been shown, proven to have broken. We didn't need a court to tell us that. We were talking about it while he was sending the horses out to trample people in Ottawa. We were talking about how he had blocked transportation and travel between the provinces, contrary to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, when they were doing it before the people arrived in Ottawa. We were talking about the jab mandates. We were talking about all sorts of stuff. This guy is incredible. He's got the gall to say that, right, you guys? Wow. Factually memorable, very important to keep in mind. All of this information, super key. I'm so glad you cued me in on the audio. I would feel terrible if I went and I couldn't do this presentation this way. This chunk, I hope, is very valuable for some viewers. And what I'll do is I'll go back tonight and I'll fill in those blank spots for the audio. And I'll put the video back out again as its own thing if people want to watch that. If they want to watch the video on its own after the fact on Rumble and Rockfin. I'll post a second video that will have that opening in there with those segments with the audio. Uh, but just amazing, amazing. And, you know, international and freedom and the future generations and stuff. He's impoverishing the future generations. He engaged in jab mandates on kids when even if you thought the jabs would work, which they didn't, there was no reason anybody needed to take them. And kids especially were at zero risk. Everything that he said, every single thing he said was a lie. It was false. It was completely reciprocal to what is reality. Everything, every single thing. Nothing he said there was actually honest. That's amazing. No wonder he said he had a certain admiration for China. Oh, but wait, we've got more dishonest people. Here's Joe Biden talking about the Ukraine situation, which, of course, we now know, we have always known, we know it has been exposed by the New York Times recently for some reason, even though they've known for a long time. They could have known just as long as we have known without getting word from the CIA or anybody. It's very clear the United States has been involved there for years. Right. Like I said, I had an Obama administration former employee approach me about my podcast in December of 2013, talking about the Maidan coup, saying, yeah, guard, you're absolutely right. The United States is involved, essentially. And I asked him if he'd tell me more. And he said, uh, I better not. I have a daughter. It's like, duh. Yeah, it's so stupid. Victoria Newland said it on the phone with Jeffrey Pyatt. I mean, for goodness sake. But here is Biden at the start. Never forget this. This is classic classic because of course we all know it has to be framed as putin is the bad guy he initiated this without any provocation in any way whatsoever russian military has begun a brutal assault on the people of ukraine without provocation without justification on russia's unprovoked and unjustified attack on ukraine the prayers of the entire world are with the people of ukraine tonight as they suffer an unprovoked and unjustified attack russia commenced its full-scale unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. President Putin has launched a horrific, unprovoked attack on their country. We are united in condemning the Kremlin's unprovoked aggression. No. Hold on just a second. I want to go back to Jan Stoltenberg. That is, uh, that's a reversed, uh, it's a negative image. So instead of NATO, it's OTAN. But I want to go back there. There's Jan's. Now remember, 
We had video that we showed last night. We showed the former head of NATO, the former NATO security general, admitting in 2008 that they were going to be working to get Ukraine admitted into NATO. He admitted it in 2008. That was part of their plan. Now we've got Jan Stoltenberg. That's awesome. That's great. He's saying, oh, man, it's totally unprovoked. We don't know what's going on. That guy, Putin, he's nuts. What is wrong with that guy? I don't know. He, 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 it's like that classic. He'd shoot a guy just for snoring. Oh, man. Talk about the man in black. He's dangerous and totally unprovoked. Aggression, no justification, apart from the fact that he is a warmonger that wanted to build an empire. Okay, so uh, let's also do this, everybody. We're going to go over to uh, Julian, Julian Assange information in just a little bit. But let's also do this. Let's remember that one of the people who came after that former prime minister um, went to Ukraine to talk Zelensky out of a peace deal. That being Boris Johnson. All right. Half a clap. I'm sorry you can't hear it across the pond over there in England, you lying dirtball people. Just incredible. And I'm sure they're fine. Oh, no, they're probably not fine people. They're probably not. Now, let's talk a little bit more about truth. I want to give you a quick video uh, from none other than Stella Assange. Uh, she did a, a terrific job today. Yeah, there's there's even more video stuff. But I want to show you Stella Assange giving the uh, quick, very nice update, thanking all the people for their support and uh, saying essentially, you know, this is where we stand right now. Now, where are we at? We had two days of hearings. My greatest fear was that on day two, the judges would announce that they had already reached their conclusion and uh, that Julian was going to be taken to the United States. That hasn't happened yet, but we're still at that point of extreme danger. U.S. Marshals will be um, on call waiting uh, to hear the decision of the judges. That ju that decision won't come down before the 4th of March uh, because the judges have asked for more information from um, the parties, from Julian's lawyers and from the United States and the UK Home Secretary for more information. So that means the decision will not come down before the 4th of March. That does not mean that we should lose initiative. We have to keep up the momentum because the judges are in the process of making their decision. And as soon as there's a decision, if it goes against Julian, U.S. Marshals will take him onto a military plane in a U.S. military base in the U.K. and take him to the United States. Of course, we will do everything to prevent it. Uh, we will go to the European Court of Human Rights. We will ask for an emergency order uh, because there is risk to his life risk uh, of torture and it is imminent and irreparable but it's not a given uh, that the European court will hand down an order to the UK or that the UK will respect it even though they are legally obligated to do so. Stay tuned for more Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live and join us Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. on Rumble, Rockman and my Twitter feed at Guard Goldsmith. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. 
I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers. There's only four days worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. USA News Update. Two leading pharmacy chains in the U.S. are set to start sales of abortion pills, possibly this month. Walgreens and CVS will offer mifeprestone at select pharmacies in states where it's legally permissible. For now, the risk of a government shutdown has been averted. On Friday, President Biden signed a government funding bill extending the deadline further into the month. In the following weeks, lawmakers will need to reach an agreement to pass several appropriations bills. The CDC has updated its guidelines, stating that Americans with COVID no longer need to isolate for five days. The new guidance covers COVID and other respiratory infections. According to the update, individuals with COVID can resume normal daily activities if they've been fever-free for 24 hours without medication or if their symptoms have been improving. The CDC also advises those ending isolation to wear masks and minimize close contact with others. John Schaefer, USA News. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veterans nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Appreciate what we do? Help us advertise, market, and promote for just $5 a month at amp.freetalklive.com.
return with more Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. Remember to listen and watch us on Liberty Conspiracy Live on Rumble, Rothman, and my Twitter slash X, that being at Guard Goldsmith, every Monday through Friday, live at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks, fellow conspirator. But let's look at something else happening in the Senate right now, everybody. Senator Ernst. And she is doing something pretty cool here, although it's really not necessary. It shouldn't be necessary. This comes from the Firearms Industry Trade Association, and they wrote about this today. The Firearms Industry Trade Association welcomes the introduction of S-3812. If you want to keep it in mind and contact your senator, two people, it's yours. The fighting company, uh, the fighting uh, companion, uh, sorry, the fighting, er, it, it is called the fighting irrational regulatory enforcement to avert retailers' misfortune, the Firearm Act. Man, do they get these acronyms at the bottom of Cracker Jack boxes? Anyway, Joni Erst of Iowa, she's a senator from Iowa, she introduced this, uh, and there is companion legislation in the House, if you want to contact your so-called representatives, H.R. 7471. It has the same name, and I think it's interesting, irrational regulatory enforcement. It's always the same thing. It's, well, what's reasonable? Well, the government defines that. If you're if you're in treading on people's rights and you're a politician, you'll use the term reasonable because, of course, then it makes the person who's opposed to your attack on their rights look like they're the attacker. You're unreasonable. How dare you be read unreasonable? Wait, who's defining reason? The people who are trying to take your stuff. How are you doing it? By pointing government guns at you. This seems kind of an unbalanced situation. That's right. But it's reasonably unbalanced. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway, the act would create a safe harbor for federal firearms licenses. Now, if you're not familiar with this, the first person to turn me on to this was uh, Liberty Doll. Um, FFL's federal firearms licensed people. We spoke with Toby Leary about this a little bit from Cape Gunworks down in Hyannis, Massachusetts. Tony brought it up as well. Uh, Basically, it would it would it would make a zero tolerance policy for any mistake on the paperwork of federal firearms licenses, license holders, and shut them down completely. So this is very interesting. But how about uh, uh, actually addressing the very idea of getting a license in order to sell a firearm? How about that, Senator Ernst? Well, Representative Issa from California is the Republican in the House who's introduced this on the House side. It's the Firearm Act. Now, the question is, here's my question. If you're in that situation in the House or the Senate, do you vote for this? Does that then mean that you assume that it's okay for the other regulations to be there for the very mandate that you have to be licensed to sell a firearm? Does that mean that you agree with that? What do you do? Like, if you're Ron Paul, how do you handle that, right? If you're Rand Paul. Ron Paul always had to wrestle with this stuff. If you're Thomas Massey, what do you do? Do you support it to stop this new encroachment, but then leave the impression that you actually agree with the past encroachments? I mean, geez, talk about a catch-22. Yeah, I know. I know. 22 caliber. That's right. So anyway, that's that's a small weapon you got there. Anyway, 
Uh, it would act to uh, create a safe harbor for the federal firearms licensees who are at risk of losing their licenses and livelihoods due to the Biden administration's so-called zero tolerance policy that has weaponized the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives to revoke licenses for minor unintentional clerical errors and mistakes. It will, according to them, help restore confidence that the ATF will fulfill its mission as a so-called regulatory agency. Said Lawrence Keene, uh, he's a senior vice president and general counsel. Well, I've seen him uh, interviewed a lot. So anyway, specifically the Firearm Act, quote, creates a safe harbor for FFLs to self-report violations so they can correct any accidental errors. It requires the ATF to work collaboratively with FFLs to fix violations and help avoid future violations. How about that Fourth Amendment? How about that? Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. You can work collaboratively after you've already seen the information. And it addresses the willfulness issue by defining it to mean a voluntary, intentional violation of a known legal duty achieved through specific intent or deliberate planning and excludes previous conduct and creates a rebuttal if the conduct is not willful, and it allows for direct judicial review of license revocations to avoid the ATF from serving as the prosecutor, judge, and jury. Oh, you mean the Bill of Rights? Oh, okay. I see. Well, let's get into another firearms story, and this is one that I think is extremely important, but not for some of the reasons people might think. Here it is. I'm going to get myself small. Georgia bill would make property owners liable for injuries in gun-free zones. Cam Edwards write this. He does a lot of good writing for Bearing Arms. Now, David Knight brought this up on his show today. I have a difference of opinion with David on this. Because this is not a protection of the right to keep and bear arms. It's an infringement on the right to contract. That's what it is. So let me give you this this information here and read it for you a little bit if you're uh, not watching and just listening in audio. Bearing Arms Cam Edwards writes, A Georgia lawmaker says private property owners should be able to prohibit firearms from their premises if they want, but this lawmaker believes that if they do so, they should be held responsible for any harm that might befall a lawful gun owner who was disarmed by the policy. Interesting. So this is a politician saying, hey, you can tell people that they're not free to bring their firearms into your restaurant or store, but you better be ready if somebody goes in there and you've got a gun-free zone and somebody gets hurt, that's now, you're going to be liable for that. So this completely abridges the principle of private property and free association. It also undercuts the marketplace that would show people what people prefer, because now it is applying an arbitrary, artificial government intrusion of you will be liable, even though you might have asked people that they only enter on under certain conditions. And I know people will say, Well, what if they ask for corporate status? Does that mean that the government can then say, and of course we go back to unconstitutional conditions, right? Does one, and in many cases, this is not just corporate status, okay? You don't have to be a corporation. 
You don't have to have asked for incorporated status for this. Let me read you more about this. Under HB 1364, introduced by Representative Martin Mortahan, property owners who forbid, that's property owners who forbid lawful concealed carry would assume responsibility for the safety of their customers, which means they would be liable for any injuries suffered if they are unable to protect themselves on the premises. Now, there's a very important clause here. I want to read this to you. Quote, All we want to make sure is, if you're in the store or anywhere, and it has a no-gun sign, then that store needs to understand that they have absolute custodial care of that person. That's the key clause. That is incorrect. You do not have absolute custodial care of a person just because the state says you do. Your care is based, in that instance, on free association and freedom of contract. You either choose to have contractual care or you do not. And you enter a contract under that agreement, verbal, written, anything like that. You are not foist with custodial care just because someone enters your locale. You don't have that. Just because a politician says that you have custodial care does not mean that you do. That is an arbitrary requirement that they are placing on you and on your ability to be able to contract with people and agree to whether or not you want to have contractual care. This is a big deal. This is a very big deal in Georgia, and people aren't, are not seeing this incorrectly. That means the store becomes legally liable for the safety of the gun owner whose gun has been banished from the property. And let me give you an example of this. In my area where I grew up, for years, there's a quarry where, in, of course, New Hampshire, they did granite quarrying. Oftentimes, when they hit a spring, they go down a certain level, the water comes up. Back in the old days, they didn't have the pumping capacity to keep the water out, so they had to give up the quarry. That quarry is fantastic to go swimming in. My brother and I would go swimming in there all the time. But the people who owned it were lawyers. In fact, my brother ended up working for them right after law school. They said, we will allow you to come onto our property if you pay us $20 and sign an agreement of non-liability. This proposal in Georgia prevents that sort of free market freedom and integrity of individuals and ownership of private property and control of the private property. Because what they would then say is, even if you got someone to agree that they're going to operate a certain way in your quarry, they're not going to rough house, they're not going to jump off this or that or whatever, that is not up to you now. You'll still be liable. You can't come up with the stipulations over which you will assume liability or not assume liability. Those people who own that, let us come on there if we agreed to release them from liability if we got hurt. This is a very big problem here in Georgia. A very big problem. So 
Timothy Litton of Georgia State University said establishments that banish firearms could face lawsuits from gun owners whose guns get banished. Let's say I'm a bar owner, Litton said in an interview. Under the new law, if I prohibit them from bringing their firearms in and they're attacked by another patron in the bar, then I'm absolutely liable for their injuries that result from that attack because I didn't allow them to bring their weapon. But it's not that you didn't allow them. It's that you asked them and you gave them a conditional if-then. If you want to enter and enjoy what I own, these are my stipulations. Period. There's no questioning about this. And finally, to wrap things up, everybody, let's look at this one. Because, again, this is a major problem. Reason Magazine, David brought this up. And again, I have a difference of opinion with David on this. Supreme Court looks poised to gut restrictive social media laws. Now, again, you ask, if a group of people are asking for corporate status, does that mean that the government can tell them that they have to operate based on the way the government tells them they have to operate. Because many people are using the example of censorship by Google and things like that as the bad consequences of a totally unregulated freedom for these corporations to do whatever they want. But really what we're talking about is the corporations were doing what the government wanted and were engaging in the very activity that would happen if the government has total control over all of the Internet and forces people to operate under Section 230 based on what the government deems is good faith for their editing and online, uh, um, uh, what is it, uh, you can be a courier or whatever, of uh, 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 curating of material. In Section 230 of the 1996 Telecommunications Act, it stipulated that the online service providers, ISPs, and social media sites or online sites could be deemed as safe from liability suits from people and safe from states going after them. If, uh, For example, liability for defamation. If someone of using it posted something defamatory, the company wouldn't be held liable. Okay? They also provided liability protection against, say, let's say somebody posted something pornographic and the state wanted to go after the online provider. Uh, Section 230 says the states can't do that against you if you conform to what the government under the FCC says is a good faith so-called curating of what you're putting out there. And people constantly try to say, well, there's a distinction between a magazine and the editorialship of a magazine and online. Well, in a way, there really isn't. And in a way, it's more difficult to even handle the stuff that goes out online. But if a person tries to equate an online presence, some social media thing or a video platform like YouTube or anything like that as being the so-called public space, as defined under the um, uh, 1946 um, uh, Marsh v. Alabama ruling, which destroyed private property, if they're going to say that the same concept that attacked this shipbuilding company in Alabama, this woman who was handing out religious leaflets on their campus that they had established with their company, and they said, please don't be here, she wouldn't leave, and they said, 
okay, we're going to call the cops for trespassing. She challenged that to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, no, you've created a campus there. That's like a public square. It's not public. There is a distinction between private property and public property. Now, the blurring is when you're asking for corporate status. But we'll get to that. If you're looking at the concept, the morality of private property, you can't say just because it's seen as a lot of people can come there, the people who established it with their own money and are trying to run it to operate their business can be dictated to by the government on how to run it, right? That's not correct. So just like this Georgia thing is stipulating to the owners of a bar or anything like that, we're going to tell you the conditions under which you can operate, whether you want to welcome people with firearms or not, it should be up to the parties involved, human beings making their own decisions, right? It's the same thing with the online stuff. And the practical outcome of it goes even towards this. Check this out. Out of Canada. Trudeau tables a draconian censorship bill that criminalizes dissenting views. This is the day before yesterday. There's a great video from Ezra Levant, if you want to watch it. On Monday, the Trudeau liberals tabled C-63, so-called an act to enact the Online Harms Act in Parliament to protect Canadians, so-called protect, from accessing harmful content online. So what would it do? It would punish people if the government decided that something was harmful. So the very people who are upset... I, I, in many cases, I would think the I'll say the argument that cites these corporations right now for censoring people is not acknowledging the fact that they were behaving in the very way that they will behave if it is decided that these social media corporations and things like that have to operate the way that Marsh v. Alabama decided the decision stipulated which is you've got to allow everybody on there. It's a so-called public space. It's not. It's private. It's done with private money. The problem is, and again, this is the same thing with Canada, that is the manifestation of that mindset in action. The very thing that the free speech people want and for which they cite bad activity by corporations that were given government help by, like, Google, or they had government favors in in Facebook or Twitter getting $3.5 million. The very same behavior that they decried and they derided would be the norm if the Supreme Court rules in the same direction as Mars v. Alabama if it applies it to online stuff. If they say that it's a public square, then the government is the one that decides what can go on and what can't, which is exactly the problem we've been running into, the government using back doors without the Supreme Court ruling that it's okay to do it. This is a major, major problem in the, in the logic behind people who are backing the idea that these online platforms are public squares. Am I, I, am I off base on that? I think I've got, got the argument right. Let me know. I mean, hopefully I'm addressing it with a certain amount of perspicacity and fairness, but I think that, I, you know, this is just what I think. I think that that is the correct way to view it, and we're seeing it manifested almost in Canada with this case right here. Before the winter parliamentary recess, Trudeau's liberals quietly reviewed the international best practices on Internet censorship. But Justice Minister Arif Virani did not provide examples at the time of legal con- of legal content that they would censor. 
So again, you if if you're if you're going in that direction, please reconsider. Please reconsider. Now again, the blur line there, just to close this off, the blur line there is when you ask for corporate status. Now, as an anarchist, I don't believe corporate status should be conferred on anybody. It's a government-conferred status that requires tax money to do the paperwork and maintain it. And then it provides special benefits to the people who are given the corporate status. It's also not something that's actually provided for in the Constitution, if you want to go on the constitutional level. okay? But also on the constitutional level, you've had various disparate and opposing Supreme Court rulings. So I'll give you the examples again, just to close things off. You've got the grow the uh, you've got the um, Cabrini Green case with the housing housing uh, building outside of Chicago, which has now been torn down uh, thanks to Michelle Obama working on that. By the way, years ago, uh, they had it was a Section Eight housing. They had a child get killed in a drug deal gone bad outside in the parking lot. They then said they tried to stipulate that anyone who wanted to get the government housing would have to give up their so-called Fourth Fourth Amendment protected right against unwarranted searches and seizures and open their doors at any time to no-knock raids to check for drugs. That went to the Supreme Court. The ACLU argued that in favor of the plaintiffs. The Supreme Court found in favor of the plaintiffs, and they said it's an unconstitutional condition. You can't force someone to give up a constitutional right constitutionally protected right just to get a government benefit and of course if you extrapolate the logic they could tell all of us to give up all of the rights that are supposedly protected by the constitution because they keep telling us they're handing us all these wonderful benefits same thing should apply to the um a to the um um uh to the airport security people right but they don't do that they, they're never going to apply it that way. They're never going to say that they, the, the presence of those black guards inside the airports uh, should be eliminated. No way, right? But Hillsdale College on the other side of it uh, and Grove City College, they were attacked by the feds who said you have to conform to Title IX, which is you have to have an equal number of men and women in sports and things like that, even though the women's sports weren't attracting enough. They were net losers on money and things like that. Um, but uh, Hillsdale College and Grove City College were attacked by the feds, the Department of Education. They said, okay, look, we're not going to take any federal money because the feds are like, if you're taking federal money, you've got to conform. And they said, we won't take any federal money. Why do they say that? Because that was the in, and the Supreme Court was going to rule in the other direction. They weren't going to rule on constitutional conditions. And in fact, even though they said we're not going to take any federal money, the feds then said, if you have any students who get federal loans or grants, and they're going there. You're indirectly getting federal money, so you still have to conform to Title IX. So both Hillsdale and Grove City College said, we're not going to take any students that get federal anything. And they started their own trusts to help students. So it varies. But if you want to play in the constitutional playpen there, it varies back and forth. But the moral principle of it, uh, I think, can be argued once you get that, that corporate status, uh, I think it's very clear that if you open up those gates, there's a big problem. Beyond that, you know, telling them how to manage things and, th- and things like that, I think that that is a big, big problem. Of course, you know, there's so many, so many things to discuss when it comes to uh, constitutionalism and morals and where the two are similar. Obviously, the Constitution is imposed on me, so I don't approve it, uh, but I would prefer that the government get a little bit closer to it um, I still don't approve of having to pay for it. Uh, but hey, you know, everybody knows that if this guy gets in office, everything's going to be so much better.
During my four years, nothing happened. And there was great pressure on me having to do with guns. We did nothing. We didn't yield. And once you yield a little bit, that's just the beginning. That's the avalanche begins. Oh, okay. He didn't yield. Nothing. I think that'll wrap up our section on guns, private property, and freedom of contract, huh? I think we know whom we can trust. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can check out Liberty Conspiracy live every Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, Rockfin, and my Twitter slash X feed at Guard Goldsmith. And, of course, feel free to visit my Substack. It's the Gardner Goldsmith Substack, and I invite you to offer your opinions there as well. It's easy to see. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. We all know something big is coming, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming more self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, and they make it easy for you to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, heirloom seeds for your garden, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items will ship that same day. Time is short. Prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few highlights. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I have been using Extendivite for many years. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendo.